0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil, and today we are chatting with my fellow physics PhD student, Stefan Eccles. In the previous episode, we heard a lot about his research in theoretical cosmology. But even in the life of a scientist, there is room for things outside work, and Stefan is a great example of that. He grew up among the Rocky Mountains in Utah and loves hiking, camping, climbing, and more recently, jiu-jitsu. In this part of the conversation, we'll get a glimpse of the physical life of a very active and athletic scientist as we recount stories of his outdoor adventures, discuss how climbing is often a mental activity, and talk about the art side of the martial art of jiu-jitsu, a sport not simply of brawn, but of strategy, tactic, and control. I'll be switching gears for a little bit now. So far, we've been talking mostly about the work that you do. So coming more to the personal side of Stefan, I know that um, the great outdoors have always been very close to your heart. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell me something, a little something about, let's say, influences in your childhood that shaped this love?
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I I already mentioned that I grew up in Utah. The town that I grew up in, I mean, it's not exactly rural. It was like maybe 100,000 people in the valley or something. But I was nestled right up under these mountains, part of the Rocky Mountains in northern Utah. Um, and they were a huge part of my life. I would spend so much time in high school just taking off up random trails getting exercise, enjoying the serenity of it all, um, or having fun with friends on little camping trips, but that was just enormous growing up. And I guess my family also took us on a lot of camping trips. So rather than taking vacations to cities, we would go find a pretty place to camp and do some hikes, do some exploring, then sit around the fire and read books together, things like that, I don't know. So I have a lot of fond memories in nature. And the fact that it was so readily accessible, um, it, I mean, it was inevitable. It would become something that I was obsessed with. And then after Utah, I moved straight to Montana. Um, They basically got me there by sending flyers where pictures of their awesome mountain ranges were plastered all over. And their slogan was literally mountains and mines. (laughs) Like if they could not have tailor-made a better... uh, slogan to get me to come to that school but uh and you know ironically I think I ended up spending a little less time in the mountains just because I didn't live right next to them anymore but they were always on the skyline and I always got into them every so often um you know I met a lot of people who climbed and people who skied and snowboarded and that sort of thing so yeah it's it was definitely a huge part of my life for that for those. and whenever I lived in those two states it was a huge part of my life And that was definitely the majority of my life. And I plan to go back to places like that, if not those two.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, in particular, you really like climbing, and you and I, uh, and your your girlfriend and Gaurav, there's this other physics PhD student, we have been, we went to this climbing trip um, in Pedernales Falls State Park. I think, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. where it was, in Austin. And that was the first time that I went out and actually climbed outdoors. Um, I didn't think I could do it. I don't think I did a great job, but I was just, (laughs) I was exhausted by the end of it. And I remember you made several trips back to the car to get more water or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, while we were just exhausted, we were just waiting there for you to come back and then a half hour later Stefan get more water for us <laughs> <laughs> so we did that uh climbing trip and then we camped there that night I remember oh, yeah. and Gorov and I were in this tent and there were this wild boars that came visiting in the moonlight which is ethereal experience and then I dreamed that night of the boars like I don't know um um uh, jostling us in our sleep or something like that i don't know it was quite an experience so i know that you were into climbing a lot um how is it that you got into it
1: and what do you think is so great about it yeah well first i want to say do you remember the armadillo yeah i remember remember the armadillo chasing you that's how i think it. (laughs) it didn't chase me
0: i just happened to be in its uh in uh, in its trajectory, I think they're kind of they don't see very well, probably. So we had cornered it on multiple sides as we um wanted to. I don't know. Take pictures. Was, you had to take pictures yeah. or
1: whatever, and they just it charged straight at me, and I freaked them out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think those are really cool animals. Yeah. All the ones you just mentioned are new to me. And I mean, I'm, I'm really comfortable camping and being in the woods and stuff, but that's a new wilderness to me. I wasn't familiar with armadillos or boars or anything. Yeah. Um, so climbing, I, I, I got back, I got into climbing way back in high school. I didn't do any team sports. I basically quit all those when I got to high school and decided I'd much rather spend time in the mountains or something. Um, I guess I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I did any team sports anymore. Um. But I had a family friend, well, no, I had a friend and her father is kind of a world class, really good, uh, I don't know if he'd use the phrase world class to describe himself. (laughs) I, I would, (laughs) he was into climbing way before it was cool. Um, and he had a lot of technical knowledge. Um, and his, his daughter, my friend also liked to climb, but I think she enjoyed it more for just like the memories it created with her dad. Mm. Um. So, on her left, her own devices. I don't think she would have pursued it as much. Um, but he had a little climbing gym in his house, and he I, had a climbing gym yeah, in his house. That's how into it he was. I mean, in his garage, in his garage, just a small wall that he had set up um, with, and it was a big overhang wall. So it was enough, as short as it was, enough challenges that we could spend hours in there. And so he knew he recognized that I was interested, and I had, I guess, I have the right body type for a climber—just thin. Uh, lanky, high, you know, muscle to fat or muscle to weight ratio, I guess. Um, And he started taking me out on trips. You know, we'd all go groups of friends of us. And then he started taking me on solo trips. And he actually took my whole family or my siblings and my dad on a trip to the the Grand Teton. That's kind of a funny story. What is Um, the Grand Teton? So the Teton National Park is a it's right below Yellowstone. But I think it's cooler than Yellowstone, honestly. I love uh, but that's because of my obsession with mountains. It's got some really gorgeous mountain ranges, just jagged rocky peaks, um, nice high mountain lakes and forests. Um, and the tallest one is called the Grand Teton. And we went to climb that, which you can actually do it, I think, almost entirely as a hike. I'm not quite sure about that. I don't remember all the details, but in any case, it involves a hike, you know, a full day hike to get to one camping spot and then you wake up at like four in the morning and you hike up to what's called the lower saddle and then at that point um my father and my brother and sister split up with brian and i the this mentor i'm talking about uh and he took me up to do an actual climbing like a more difficult technical climbing route and they would continue up the hike and then we would meet up close to the top and finish the rest of the ascent because i think there was like a little section there that was Maybe it wasn't like technical climbing, but it was too dangerous to not rope up at least. So Brian would take us all up that little part. Um, But we broke off to do this climb, which is the first big climb like that I've ever done, I think. It was not very difficult at a technical level, but psychologically it was it kind of blew my mind. It's one of the most exposed climbs I've done still to this day, where you just over just 1,000 feet drop for, I don't know how long exactly, but just hours at a time and as as fascinating as I found it actually I think I decided at that point okay I'm not an alpinist <laughs> like I'd look down at the valleys and think I'd be so much comfortable if I was just standing on flat ground right now and I know no matter what I do that is not an option for me for the next like I don't know it's gonna take I, I have to go up there's only one way from here basically and I, I still enjoyed it but there was like equal parts of this intimidation kind of constant alarm bells going off in the back of my head like why are you up on this oh, w- was uh, it the physical strain or was it the fear of height um the it's mostly the fear it's mostly psychological cuz the the difficulty of the route i'd climbed far harder things but it becomes more difficult when you're afraid especially you think oh my gosh up ahead there's going to be some really challenging section or what if there is and what if i can't get up it and uh, I don't know. I I don't even think I knew that much about how climbing worked at the time. I was just following Brian. He was leading, so the the lead climber takes on pretty much all the danger on a trad route. Um, and anyway, we we finished our segment. I was kind of in a daze, both out of you know the good and the bad of enjoying it and being incredibly intimidated by it. And then we start looking for my family where we we're supposed to meet them, and we never found them. Like you're up in this area where there's little rocky enclaves and the wind's blowing and your voice just disappears around the corner of the next cliff kind of thing. And we, I don't know, somehow we missed them. So anyway, Brian and I thought, oh, maybe they got on with some other group and went up. We went up, spent, I don't know, half an hour on the peak. Absolutely stunning views. I, <laughs> One of my favorite places I've ever been. And then we came down and eventually we met up with my family and they had been up there somewhere waiting for us. So now it's the story for them. It's the story of how they almost got to climb the Grand Teton or they like got within a couple hundred feet of it. And I did, which I mean, that probably made me feel a little bit more exclusive or something. But I think I joked about it like once to my sister and I saw her face and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like that was, I guess that's a really big letdown for you, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, he, he would eventually take me on plenty of other big tower climbs in southern Utah. That's some of my favorite climbing, the sandstone crack climbing. Um, but anyway, I, I nowadays I wish I had actually learned more technical knowledge from him, because I don't. I don't think I, 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 I had already decided I wasn't absolutely obsessed, like I wasn't going to go try and climb K two or Everest or anything. But I really wish I had learned, uh, you know, or I was more confident in placing trad gear as the main thing. Um, so now I'm happy to go lead people on sport routes, which is basically pre-bolted routes so there's someone has already gone up and set out this line of protection every I don't know anywhere from every five feet to every 20 feet more Um, and the lead climber still is taking the risk but they just go up and they clip into this pre-established protection with their carabiners and thread the rope through and as long as you have a good belayer you're perfectly safe the trad gear is much riskier because that's your. there's no pre-bolted stuff. You're basically placing nuts and bolts and cams, as they're called, just various devices, various shapes of metal and cord into little crevices and things like that such that they won't come out at a certain angle, and then you thread your rope through it, and you know, if you fall, you have to pull it at that angle and hope that it doesn't pop out. Um, and it can be done very safely if you're with a knowledgeable person, and Brian was always very knowledgeable, but I never made much of an effort to, to pick up that knowledge from him. I was just happy to follow him up these enormous cliff faces and let him do that. And then I clean up the gear as I come up behind him, basically. So I don't know a lot of good memories, but I wish I had recognized what a privilege it was.
0: Mm. So more recently you've got yourself into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, And I remember sweet, I think at that time, at least, I don't know if even now, you went for practice every day in this <laughs> place that's right next to campus. Mm-hmm. And I remember that there was this one time when I was going through a bit of a low phase in my life and we, we met at this pub and he said, uh, why don't you try and you invited me to your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu meetings and you said, you know, this that it's like the high point of every day for me. And it's rolling around on the mat. um so I did go and roll around on the mat on that one day for you. Um, yeah, for me. Oh, <laughs> not for you. Uh, yeah, I met with you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was wondering um, why you think... Um, well, I guess I, it's just because I did it for just one day. So I didn't really get the uh, get the sense that you were talking about. Why do you think it was, at the time,
1: uh, the high of the day for you? What um, do you think it was? It's just fun. It's really fun. I mean, but why is it fun? Hmm. I think a lot of the same aspects that got me to, to the climbing all show up in the jiu-jitsu. Uh, because it's very physical, and yet you can still consider it problem-solving in a, in a unique way. With the climbing, that's literally what it's called if you're doing a short route or like a a bouldering problem they're called problems and you just work on small sequences that you could spend hours just how do i use these three holds to get up that thing and in jiu-jitsu you now have an opponent and it's more of a back and forth dynamic thing which was kind of new to me i most sports i've done are individual sports and i'm not used to having to react to someone so my reaction time was terrible but um the (laughs) it's definitely been described as human chess many times and i Mm. totally agree with that description it's there's a big mental aspect and it's definitely a martial art where uh brain can beat brawn so that's you know an impressive thing to me
0: Um, the other reason i probably think it might feel like a high is uh, so for the last couple months i've been going to the gym every day and i guess just physical exercise releases all these endorphins and whatnot and there is also this tangible sense of um, accomplishment that he, he went there and he did something. Because the rest of the time in grad school, you know, your progress in life is just so nebulous and not easily measurable that there is this block of time every day that you go and you do something, you see it happen, you feel it happen in your body. And uh, there are all, also all of these chemicals that are being released that to some extent make you feel happy um by the end of it
1: i guess some of it is that definitely i i needed a new physical hobby at the time that's the reason i sought it out because i didn't have enough opportunity to climb um i mean i i could climb a bit but i'd pretty much given up running when i came here which also used to be a big thing and i obviously wasn't charging up mountains anymore so i needed some physical outlet and that one was close and convenient and Probably like a lot of other people who heard or who get into jujitsu, I had heard some some Joe Rogan rants about <laughs> how effective and how fun it is. Um, so I decided to try it out, and I'm really glad I did. Um, I I still recommend it to you or to anyone who you know is maybe considering wanting to try a martial art. The things that suggested it to me above other martial arts were um, several. One that it is more of a chess game than others, I suppose. Um, and it really is one martial art where strength can be dominated by uh, strategy. Uh, one of our main instructors there now is just this this tiny guy, but I still can't do a thing to him. And I'm, I mean, people remark that I'm stronger than most people my size. Um, so, and I, I definitely feel like I should be able to just dominate you, <laughs> but I can't. And then there's other people who are like, you know, James, I think he would say that he's not as strong as me, but he can just do whatever he wants to me. He beats me up constantly and mm. it's a ton of fun. <laughs> is it because
0: you are restricting yourselves to the judoitsu format uh, during that period of time? Like if, if a guy that side, like this instructor person who is very tiny, if you guys happen to, uh, be involved in a brawl,
1: um, on a street, who would win? Um... So another thing that jiu-jitsu is advertised for is for its effectiveness. And that I think surprises people really partly because if you watch the matches, at least to me when I watched them as a total outsider, I thought this is kind of boring and it's slow or uh, I I didn't have any clue what was going on. I even watched some world famous matches of, you know, two highly elite people. There's the Gracie family who basically brought jiu-jitsu to America facing off with Eddie Bravo this famous guy basically made his name by beating one of the gracies at their own game finally mm. um and you watch the match and i thought the pace of this is just so slow compared to any other martial art but now i can watch it and i'm on the edge of my seat because i recognize how well i know how well these people control weight and how if there's any moment of you know defenses down for any reason uh the, the other person going to capitalize that and you know capitalize counter attack counter attack counter that's how it goes but even when you include punches, um, it's proven effective. Uh, I mean, the Gracie family was also partly responsible for starting the UFC, the mixed martial art league, basically to showcase how effective Jiu-Jitsu was. And granted, they would punch too. If they do happen to be standing up, then they would punch, which is not technically part of what we learn at our school. We don't do the striking at all, um. In those fights, those are mixed martial arts fights, so you're, you're striking each other, including the jiu-jitsu is striking. Uh, but then you just, as quickly as possible, take the fight to the ground, and then you're manipulating their weight. And even though, I mean, people kind of have an idea, I think, that maybe punches trump grappling as soon as it starts. But that's definitely not the case, too. I think a good striker would tell you that in order to have any power in your strike, it's kind of a full-body thing. He starts at the legs and posture and goes through the hip movement and stuff like that. And if a person is controlling you on the ground, you're unable to land any effective punches. So if you watch how it goes down in a UFC fight, if a grappler wins, usually it's, uh, you know, the the other guy is kind of punching basically to no effect, just being ignored as the mm-hmm. grappler progresses towards their... Um, most of his body weight is
0: not lending anything towards his punch there. Yeah. On the ground, your lower body is not contributing any momentum to this, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and also, as, in fact, in jiu-jitsu, one of the worst things you can do is extend your arm. So if you are punching someone who's a really good jiu-jitsu practitioner, they're going to scoop that up immediately and <laughs> do something to your arm. Mm. Um, but you have to be really good. I, I mean, I, I have no idea how I would fare in a brawl. I, I definitely could say I'm way more confident than I would have been before. Not that I really thought about it before. <laughs> but... Um, You know, before having any training, if I were to size up how well I would do in some brawl, it basically would have been based on physical size. And now that I've had training, that is exactly accurate at the beginning. It's basically if you're stronger than the other person, you can win. If they're stronger than you, they're going to win. But once you've had training, it's like you can do whatever you want to people if they have not had any training. It's kind of amazing for how quickly you can pick up those techniques. I think people say the first six months of jujitsu is basically you just learning some really basic defense and you have no clue what's going on. You don't even know how often, like for me when I went in, it was a very foreign concept to me to like be squaring up with someone and like, what am I even supposed to do? I'm supposed to attack you? Why would I do that? And, I kinda, and it was helpful for me when finally some rougher people like threw me around a bit and I was like, oh, okay, you're just going to try and choke me and I'm going to try and break your arm, you know, not actually break it, but this is okay. And it's all in good fun. So, now, now I do that to some new people if they seem timid, or not, not now. But I went through a phase where I would think, "Oh, this is what they need," and I think I scared some people away like that. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I think I
0: think you were fairly gentle with me.
1: <laughs> well, in drilling, I don't think you sparred, did you? No, I didn't spar. Oh no. yeah, drilling is always like not yeah. full force, but the sp- that's another adv- advantage of jujitsu is you can actually practice everything full force, which is going to be very different from drilling, but um. I mean, that's the whole point. Other martial arts where you're learning may be very effective techniques, but you never get to practice them fully, uh, they're gonna, you know, it's very unlikely that you'll land that when everything's moving and, you know, it's a crazy situation, adrenaline's blowing, things like that. Mm. Um, so, in short, they, I mean, they definitely do distinguish between sport jujitsu and self defense jujitsu, partly because you're not, you, you do do things in sport jujitsu. Put your face just out there, waiting to be punched in a few in a few positions, but mm. less than you would think. Like for the most part, you would just do that same position, but hold, keep your head down, and uh, you know, be expecting some kind of weak strikes
0: sort mm. of thing. So here's this thing that I'm curious about. When you mentioned jujitsu, as one of the things that I would like to talk about, but I it's a little hard to articulate. So. When you go and practice under these controlled environments, um, there are still several things that you're learning that are beneficial for your physical and mental health. You're increasing in stamina and, you know, in coordination. And one could say that those are the benefits that one hopes to get out of a combat sport in regular civilized life. However, would you say... That just being better at man-to-man combat makes you feel more powerful in just regular life. Did, do, does it ever? Does that primal sense of power ever, uh, ever, ever uh, touch you as some sort of exhilaration? As you're like, uh, yeah, I'm a, if I'm going down a street and someone tries to jump me, um, I think I can try and beat this person up. Or <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, does that? does that uh sense of dominance that primal sense of dominance play any role in the acceleration that you feel when you you get better at jiu-jitsu or something Um, like that
1: yeah but it works the other way as well you you get i mean you have to be humble because like i said there's people who are smaller than me who beat me up constantly and they make fun of me too for my for my lack of you know they'll compliment my strength but that's kind of an underhanded way of saying oh your technique could be so much better (laughs) like uh but yeah, in choosing it, I can't say that actual fights, actual self-defense context like that wasn't on my mind because that was one of my criterion, choosing martial art that I could, you know, practice and maybe use effectively if I ever needed. Um, but, and and it did change the way, I guess, like fights were never on my mind before. It just wasn't how I operated. I, and, and I still op- assume that you can always talk your way out of a fight, basically. And I think that's true, almost entirely. Um, but I do, like I said, now I now I have a do, do, I do have a new perspective on you know sizing up how challenging a person would be to beat. Except it, I also have this new perspective that you never know who's really trained. Like an untrained person, it's easy kind of to size up. But for all you know, it could be a person like Gabe, our main instructor, who's this tiny guy, and you never think, and he also has a black belt in Taekwondo. I mean, a lot of them train in plenty of other things too. Um, if you want to be good at mixed martial arts which is what their aim is a lot of people basically mix a, a striking sport with a grappling sport um, but in I've definitely had a few a few things, I think I told you the story once where there was a guy stealing bikes from a bike rack <laughs> yeah. in the middle of uh, Austin's campus and I was like I could just hold this guy here <laughs> and control him until the police get here basically <laughs> i'll probably get in huge trouble for doing that so i didn't but <laughs> it crossed my mind like this would be a piece of cake unless he has a weapon which is also it's, it's stupid to assume that you're assume that you can beat someone because you never know that when they have a weapon or when they have friends nearby and that's another big thing so i mean i think that that mindset is discouraged in martial arts less in mma there's a lot of like machismo in mma but in martial arts which jujitsu is still a martial art brazilian jujitsu is it's way less formal than other martial arts but there's still a huge culture of respect and no one in it at least in the gyms i've encountered and the people that have come from other gyms no one in it is just there to like really <laughs> prove that they can beat you up
0: yeah.
1: like mm-hmm. so a little bit of both yeah it, that's a factor but mm, i wouldn't say it's the most important factor
0: Thank you for joining Stefan and me today in the Room of Lives. If you hang around in the next part, we'll reminisce about the adventures that we've both had in the world of making music, and Stefan will give us a live performance of one of his original compositions.